Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Keith Neiman, 28-year veteran, both volunteer and career, special ops chief with the Wichita Fire Department. Keith simply loves going to fires and making sure he leaves the job better than he found it when it comes time to hang it up. With that, I present Mr. Keith Neiman. Yeah, hi, I'm Keith Neiman. I'm a special operations battalion chief with Wichita Fire Department here in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, how I got in the fire service really was uh, kind of grew up in it. My dad was a volunteer fire chief uh, for a small town we lived in here in South Central Kansas. Um, my mom was actually the director of EMS. And so I kind of grew up on, you know, Tuesday nights going to EMS meetings with my mom and Thursday nights going to the fire meetings with my dad. Uh, and obviously I kind of grew up in the, you know, as a kid in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Nick and Knight was still rolling with emergency on the TV. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Backdraft had came out fairly recently at that point. And so, uh, you know, I kind of always wanted to get into emergency services, and I, I really, you know, hang out with my dad at the firehouse and getting to go shag equipment and stuff when they did their training nights. Um, and then obviously watching the shows. So I always kind of wanted to be a big city fireman. That was always my my kind of goal growing up. Uh, when I got out of high school, I applied here at Wichita Fire. I actually applied to a number of different places, me and a couple friends that were had the same thoughts. Um, and I was lucky enough to get hired on Wichita after about four years of trying um, I had a couple opportunities to travel out, but by that point I was uh, engaged and, and married, and so it was a little harder to get away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it just all worked out for me. Like I said, took me about four or five years to get hired here, uh, and then once I got hired on, I just you know I loved it ever since. That's, that's, it's it's kind of everything I thought it would be, and more, obviously. Awesome, awesome. Um, so before I start, some other questions. I, I just have to say, uh, and I told Tim this. I'm not sure what you guys are drinking down there. In, in Wichita, but your fire department is making headways. A lot of individuals are talking about Wichita just because of the culture you guys have, the aggressiveness. And from what I understand, like if, if, if I was a candidate and I'm not meeting the standards, Wichita has no problem going. Thanks, but no thanks. See you later. Yeah, no, we've been very fortunate. Um, you know, when, when I came on 24, 25 years ago, it was a very different department. There's still a lot of very driven guys. Um, and it's like, I mean, you hear the same stories over and over. Uh, I, I got assigned to a pretty slow firehouse right out of fire school, right out of, out of recruit class. Um, but I was uh, asked to come into a busy house when they had a guy that was gone. And, you know, I was working my butt off and, and impressed the officers a little bit there. And when I got the chance, uh, six, eight months into my career, they had an opening uh, they asked to bring me in and I got my chief allowed it. So I got to transfer in. Um, and the guys there, I mean, one of the guys that worked there was helping uh, Pressler at FEIC. You know, he just shagging equipment. And, uh, you know, another guy was teaching all over the country. And so they dragged me to these fire conferences, you know, FDIC and, and got to meet all these people. And after a little bit of time, um, we just, you know, there's a group of like-minded guys, you know, maybe have been 20 or 30 then and maybe more, but that was kind of my little group was 20 or 30 mm-hmm. guys. And, We'd go take any class we could find and and help out. Um, and then we're lucky enough to, you know, kind of like uh, uh, Ross did with helping Pressler. You know, when guys were setting up doing conferences, they'd ask us to come up and just help shag equipment, reset rooms, reset props, kind of watch them teach, watch them interact with the other firefighters. And so we learned a lot that way and was able to bring a lot of stuff home. And so, you know, our culture kind of grew from, from those guys that, you know, I'm sure they had guys bringing them up, obviously. And then they kind of brought us up. And then as, 
we got time on, we brought other kids in and just kind of, you know, that tree kept growing. Right. And so, you know, it kind of started with, you know, a handful of branches and then those branches spread off other branches. And now we got, you know, like I said, guys all over our department um, out there teaching, you know, you know, Sam Hiddle and, um, you know, Isaac Frazier and, and um, you know, all these guys out there that you see and, and social media help too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard for a little bit. We're like a mid-major. I kind of look at us like a mid-major, you know, we're, we're pretty small. We're, you know, 500 firefighters, uh, 23 firehouses um you know so we're not we're not new york we're not chicago we're not these right. big story departments with these great you know you know uh histories back there although we do have a really good history um but you, nobody knows about those places and then you start seeing you know guys from departments of our size out there um doing more stuff and it, it, it was kind of good because you got you know guys like i could listen to ray mccormick read read the read the phone book right i mean i went to all his engine classes coming up and i still like to you know if i'm at a place he's teaching i'll hop in and, and listen to him talk and stuff um but there's also that need for a voice that maybe isn't a department that has you know five or six guys riding an engine maybe they just have three on the engine right. so um that kind of helped us too we were able to get out there and say look we have really good fire duty especially you know off and on here um, and so we've learned a lot from that. And here's kind of what we've learned. And with three guys, this is how we do it. Or with four guys, this is how we do it. And so sometimes that translates to a department that, um, you know, runs similar manning to ours. And, and once again, we we didn't have any of it. You know, we took all those things we heard from Ray McCormick or, you know, Chief McGrail in Denver. We you know, took those little bits they got and then just mm-hmm. kind of adapted it to our own department. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been um, crazy to watch, you know, as, as we go from – you know, I turn on a podcast or I'll, I'll open a, 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 you know, firehouse magazine or fire engineering magazine. And there's one of our guys in there with a really good article about, you know, search or, or something. And okay. uh, it's really something to be proud of. I mean, it's, it's, I, it humbles me. It's just really cool to watch, uh, to watch it kind of grow over all those years. Right. Right. And um, you said you've been on Wichita now for 24 years. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Came on in 99. 99. So I'm sure, yes, you've definitely seen a change or a shift in the culture, especially with, you know, the way the world's going now with technology sure. and everything. It is pretty, pretty wild how, you know, you guys think that you're doing something in-house, but it just spreads to the masses. And that's how that's how pretty much the word got out about Wichita. I actually heard you from um, or I've actually heard about Wichita from Isaac's uh the uh the into the job symposium sure. yeah 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 he he you know he uh he was kind of a local kid his dad was a actually our first special operations chief for wichita way back i mean well before my time okay um and he left to be a chief in hutchinson which is a neighboring community and he ended up in florida and i could be stating this wrong but he ended up in florida teaching out there um and isaac uh frazier went to high school i think in hutch and, and actually some of our guys are hutch hutch guys that are on the job with us you know grew up with them and uh, he went up there and, and did his thing and we you know ran into him at some conferences and chatting with him. And I think he always, you know, wanted to come home a little bit. I think he likes the, obviously he's a, you know, hunting and fishing or hunting is a huge deal for him. And so it's a good, okay. good area to do that. I think he has family still coming back here. Uh, so he ended up applying. And I mean, that's one of those things. And we get that quite a bit where a guy has, you know, 10 or 12 years in another department and leaves to start over here is, mm-hmm. you know, to me is, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I'd, you know, once I had 12 years on it, it'd been really hard to get me out of here. But, right. um, you know, I get it and we see it a lot and we've seen it a lot more in the last five or six years. So he, he came here and uh, he puts on a really great conference. Now the Wichita Hot's another one that we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really great conference. Um, and so we get a lot of guys coming in and, and it's a great advertiser, uh, advertiser for, for applicants, right? Like it's a great recruiting tool. 
because like you said, guys come here and they, they get to you know, go around the city and, and they get to meet some people and those ambassadors, you know, help bring in guys that from all over the country to apply, which actually, you know, obviously helps our fire department because then it just right. increases our talent here. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, which is, which is great. Yeah. And like I said, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, guys teaching at Andy Fredericks and guys teaching at FDIC and, and firehouse is the same thing. It just, you know, people for a long time, I'm sure were like, where's Wichita. And now a lot of people goes, Oh, I've heard, I know somebody from there. I attended a class, seemed pretty right. squared away. Right. Um, I'm not saying we do everything great. And I'd say we, we even have, you know, we have, you know, mutts on the job here, just like everywhere else. Right. right. But, right. Um, you know, by, by and large, our culture is extremely um, aggressive. And like you said, it's, it doesn't tolerate guys that aren't, driven very well i mean we have them but they just mm-hmm. you know, they don't tend to succeed and uh and we we just tend to guys that are like that just seem to gravitate here they have for the last you know 10 15 years anyway awesome um so you are a special operations chief can you tell us what exactly is your role and and what exactly do you do so um it's kind of i'm an uh kind of an interim position really i'm an acting chief i'm I'm technically a captain i was on an engine um and then uh our hazmat which is now rescued two up at firehouse 10 for 15 16 years ended up in the training academy for a while teaching recruits which i actually really enjoyed that time as well for the two or three years uh and when my time there was done and i was coming back out um we were uh adding a special operations battalion before then the the SOC companies which would be like a rescue or two rescues that do like the hazmat ropes dive mm-hmm. uh we're just rolled into battalion one with all the other firehouses we had three battalions so a couple of years ago, um, they wanted to try adding a fourth battalion, and the the which actually is battalion one, uh, became the SOC battalion, the special operations battalion. So we have uh, uh, rescue one, which does well. well both of our walk-in rescues go to all the fires right. in the city, so that's that's an awesome deal for them. Right. <laughs> and and like I said, that's who you want there, right? You're they're usually experienced guys or very driven guys. Uh, so you know it's nice having them there for for rapid intervention and all those kind of you know extra things you need. Uh, but on top of that, Rescue One also does a lot of you know rope stuff, dive stuff primarily. Rescue Two does all our hazmat stuff, and they're both cross-trained. They both have all, you know, can they can dive, they can do all that stuff, but it tends to be Rescue One will do, you know, a dive operation, Rescue Two will be the backup team or you know, support, mm-hmm. and then vice versa for like a hazmat incident or, or find space, something similar. Uh so as my job is basically I manage uh have those companies, plus I have Firehouse One, which has an engine and a truck uh in the downtown, right in the center of town. And 13s, which has our uh, command and communications units. So we have like a big bus that has all the radios and repeaters. Okay. We get, you know, tornado something comes through and wipes out all our comms. Right. They have drones and all the stuff to take back up comms so we can get the dispatching going again, stuff like that. Okay. And so basically I supervise them and then I respond to, um, we get to respond to, uh, you know, all the fires plus uh, any special calls. So dive, pins, those kind of things. We're dispatched to those. So, and then we get to do a lot of training stuff or, you know, our, those companies that do special ops train a lot, they have mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. And so we get to be part of that and, and recruit training and all other kind of stuff too. So it's, it's kind of a, a pretty fun gig. I miss riding a fire truck. I really wish I was still riding, riding around with the crew. Uh, but this is a, a pretty good, pretty good second, <laughs> right. second thing to do. You right. know, if you can't do that, this is, this is a pretty good gig. Right. Because I, I, I'm, I'm assuming all major incidents, you're, you're going to be there. Right. And, you know, uh, first chief in here uh, takes command. So we'll, you know, all the stuff in my, in my district, I'll, I'll take command of um, all second do stuff. We get a, we're basically safety. So we're interior with the crews doing safety work. Um, and then any special operations call, 
then you basically become a, a division, you know, you become the division head there for, you know, the rescue or for okay. hazmat division, you'd be kind of the head of that reporting to the incident commander. So um, it's kind of varied. It's, it's, uh, it's a different job, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, it, it was definitely outside of my uh, comfort zone coming into it. I'm a year and a half in, I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable. Like when I show up on calls, I kind of know what I'm supposed to do and gotcha. what I'm expected of me and what's right and what's wrong. Right. Um, but like any job, anytime you change, you just, it's like starting over again. I feel like a rookie, you know, that first six months, you know, trying not to step on my own feet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what would you say, we've kind of talked about it, but what what would you say the the culture is like within your department regarding pride training and calls? You know, it's, it's real aggressive. Um, You know, uh, we have very active fools chapter have had since one, since 2007. Um, That's been great for us. Like I said, the Wichita hot's been around since 2008, um, it's been great for us. Those kind of things are are great, uh, you know, kind of pride and training type mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, another big part is is the fire duty helps, right? Like, you know, off and on, we're pretty right. busy. Most of our core companies will go to fires almost every shift. Um, you know, which obviously we we have one or two working fires a day here on average, which means that some days we'll have nothing, but some will have, you know, like the other day we had three workers, you know, that day. Those same crews go to quite a few of those. We're small enough a lot of guys get to go to those fires. So okay. that obviously helps I me. Mean, it's, you know, that helps right. keep guys driven. You can always tell when, when fire duty slows down for a little while, um, you, you see a little more of the grumpiness, you see a little more mm-hmm. of the, you know, sedentaries type, you know, not as driven for some crews. Um, and the other one is just being surrounded by other people that are so engaged. I mean, you know, there's a lot of time where um, when I was a, a young Lieutenant, where I just be beat down like on a day for some reason or busy or whatever. I just didn't feel like doing anything, but then I was like, Oh, if we get something, or if I make a call with, with this chief who, you know, helped bring me up, I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, let him down. I don't want to, you know, feel stupid. And so even those days where I really didn't feel like maybe doing something, I usually would just because I knew if I didn't, you know, something would probably happen and it, it right. catch me in the butt, you know, so that, that helps too. Or like I said, a lot of days I'd come in and uh, you know, I came up with, uh, you know, my crew is uh, uh, Lane Pierman, who's my boss now. He's the division chief over special operations. And then uh, Gerald Johnson, who's uh, captain of rescue two. Sam Hiddle is captain of rescue two. Okay. Uh, Chad Cox, who's a, a captain at engine 22. We're all firefighters together. And, you know, if I came in, not really fun doing something, I guarantee Sam was, you know, Sam was jazzed up about something he's seen. He wants to try something or, you know, Gerald would come in and he'd be jazzed up about something he's seen. And we'd go out and do that. And then you know, within five minutes, I was, super excited about whatever we're doing, you know? Okay. And so having those guys around you that on the days you're kind of dragging butt can give you a little, you know, kick in it and, and get you mm-hmm. moving forward is always a huge bonus. Our whole department seems to be not whole, a big chunk of our department. Look, most seem to be, right. Yeah. Seems to be full of those guys. So, I mean, even as a chief, there's days where it's like, oh, God, you know, I'm not, you know, I got a lot of paperwork to do and mm-hmm. but don't hear hell rescue twos out doing this, the training grounds or, these guys are doing live burns with recruits today and I'll run down there and kind of help get myself, you know, kicking the butt to, <laughs> to get doing some, something, you know, and, and trying to make myself a little bit better or get my head wrapped around something new or, or whatever those things may be. Okay. All right. Uh, so what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving the job? Cause I mean, you, you've, you've been on the job for, for quite some time. Yeah. You know, I mean, a big part of it, like I said, early on was going to fires. I mean, I, you know, I was really lucky when I first came on at seven, eight months when I moved to fives, we were, you know, getting daily couple of fires a day. And so I learned a lot and, and I just wanted to make sure I was good for the next fire. You know, I wanted to make sure I didn't screw up, you know, I didn't waste that fire. Uh, as I got older, 
I became a lieutenant uh, and then a captain. It was, you know, making sure I, I always felt like I worked for the best crew in the city. You know, 5C at the time was the best fire crew in the city. That, probably not true, but that was always my perception, right? right. Everybody right. thought they, all the crews around us, 10s thought the same thing. Um, we transferred to 10s four or five years into my career, and I did most of the rest of my career there. As lieutenants, like, I want to make sure I have the best crew in the city. I want to have John Turner was my was one of my captains coming up that really got me into, you know, really doing things around the fire service. And he's a chief in a, a neighboring city now. But uh, I was like, I want to have as good crew as John had. Like, I want to make sure that we're every bit as talented as, you know, I want to make sure I pass on all these things that John passed on to me to these guys that work for me now. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what kept me driven through that part of my career. Um, I got the opportunity uh, in 2017, I think, or 18 to hop over to the training uh, and do recruit training. Which oh, I fought, I struggled, right? I was going to a 40 hour week. I'm leaving a uh-huh. fire truck. Uh-huh. At, but, you know, at the same token, you know, helping doing conference teaching and teaching at different fire schools. I, I enjoyed watching that light turn on, right? Like those, those kids do something for the first time and go, oh my God, that was so easier. That was so smooth. I, you know, I, you know, I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. And the guy that asked me was a guy I came up with at, at Fives, the guy that used to help, uh, uh, Chief Ross, he used to help uh, Pressler at FDIC was kind of the guy that asked me. So I felt somewhat obligated to, it's like, oh, this guy's right. done so much for me. I'd like to right. get back a little bit. And so I moved into there and for that, that three or four years, I did that three and a half. Um, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, you know, I want to turn out the best fire, the best fire recruits I can. I wanted like, you know, when these guys hit the floor, I want the captains to go, Oh my gosh, these guys, this is the best fire I've ever worked with kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kept it for that time. And then about the time I moved in this job, I have twin sons. Uh, they're 21 just turned 21 but when they were 19 they applied and got hired on uh and so it was now it's kind of like leave the department you know really good for them because now they got 20 something 30 something years ahead of them here right and so um that's kind of where i'm at now is you know trying to make the department as a whole better which is a little easier well i don't know if it's easier from the chief spot it should be like you have more influence i guess there it right. doesn't always work but at least right. i have a say and the mm-hmm. captain have a say as well it's just you you tend to have a say over your crew and I have a, you know, the say over more multiple crews and I can kind of speak upwards some now too, which is right. kind of nice. Um, and so like I said, I got, I got a couple of boys on the job that they have just over a year on now, both of them. And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at now is just trying to make sure we just keep getting better. Okay. You know, I, when I came, uh, you know, when I came on, uh, we were a very traditional, I say traditional, we were, we were a very Midwest fire department. So History core line with combo nozzles. You know, we had limited Halligans or you know, kicking doors still, and, and all okay. kinds of you know, kind of when I say old school, like seventies kind of stuff. You know, um, and as times went on, you know, we're, we have uh, static mount head. We don't you don't we don't use pre connects at all. We're all static mounted off the rear. Um, you know, smooth bores. You know, best tools you can get. Best you know, fire gear you can get as far as bunker gear. Best air packs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been able to be part of all these little committees that got all these really good things. Right. And so it's just kind of continuing that and trying to, you know, keep pushing the department ahead until it's time for me to hang it up whenever that, whenever that may, I, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know what that is, but you, none mm-hmm. of us do, right? It could right. end tomorrow. So right. um, you just have to kind of make every day you can, because you may not get another month or week or year to to make those changes you want. Okay. And uh, you mentioned you have two sons on the job. Are, 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 are is one on the engine, one on the ladder? Or so, yeah, that's kind of a point of contention right now. <laughs> I, I'm an engine guy. Uh, if, if okay. you know me or you, you've, you've attended my classes, I'm, I'm a big engine guy. I was super proud that you know, we got the trucks put on. I can't remember what year that was, probably 2010. Went back to traditional engine truck, 
uh-huh. uh, you know, before very Midwest. So we did everything off the engines. Um, we had no trucks at all. We had ladders that were cross man that only showed up if a fire went defensive for the most part. Okay. We'd like go get them and bring them in. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we went back to traditional engine and trucks. I was super proud of that day, but then, you know, coming up and helping these guys teach from big cities or sitting in on class from these guys in big cities, unless the engine truck rivalry and them all talking crap back and forth. Um, the longer I was here, the more I was like, oh man, you know, I kind of got more of that. Okay. And so I'm an engine guy and uh, both my sons uh, grew up, you know, here at the, you know, coming to the firehouse and hanging out, riding, riding the engine and, you know, having guys come in and talk shop, you know, at the, at the, we had like the basement bar, the swimming pool mm-hmm. on back, you know? And um, so they heard a lot of engine stuff. Well, they've been on for about a year now, both riding a, a busy engine on a really good crew. Uh, actually, one was at fives in my old locker that I got assigned to right out of recruit class and in 2000. That's awesome. And okay. then the other one was at 22s, which was my last assignment before I, uh, before I came here to where I'm at was, it, so I, they, I had one of my, you know, basically the bookends of my career. Uh-huh. And so, you know, like I gave one, my front from fives when I was assigned there back in the early 2000, I gave the other one, my front that I was assigned at the end of my career, you know, to where, and, um, about a month ago, the, the uh, Hunter, who's the twin that was at fives, ended up at 22s, got transferred to 22s, which was the same place Braden was out, different shift. And they put a truck on at 22s about a month ago. Okay. And so now they're both having to go through truck training because they will ride the truck some. And so I, I keep telling them, it's like, you know, it's just, you're just out there, you know, your college age kids, they do that. They go out there and they see what the world's about, but you're going to come back to the edge, I think. And then they both, you know, at least for me, they, they tell me that's what they want, but well, obviously whatever they want to do and right, they, they'll do awesome, but whatever they're, they're super good kids and they're aggressive and they're um, very driven and they're, you know, so they'll do great whatever they want. I just want to be engine guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so um, would you ever see any of your sons while, while you're on shift working? I do. I have uh, Brayden, who's my uh, my little twin or my younger twin, is uh-huh. on my shift at 22. So I do. I, I just made a fire with him yesterday, a little That's garage awesome. fire. I made a call with him. Okay. Um, I haven't. I've made four or five pretty decent fires with him so far, and I've seen him on a lot of calls. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of been a little bit of a of a white cloud. Uh, seems like he uh, when he's you know detailed out of his out of his firehouse, they're getting work, and when he's detailed in. They're not getting as much, so he needs to <laughs> needs to figure out how to break that slump. But yeah, I have got a chance to make uh, some fires with him. I made one fire with Hunter, who's on the other shift. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I, I I see him less on calls. I'd love to. Um, I've got to go. Uh, we've done some training um, through our fools chapter in a couple of places where I've done some live burns. So I've got to, you know work with him in that capacity. Okay. But uh, and if you watch, I have a video on YouTube and then uh, Vimeo on line, stretching lines the, you know, with the Wichita bundles we use. Okay. Um, those are the, those are my twins that are in that video with me, helping demonstrate, demonstrate the bundles. So yeah, I get to still play with them quite a bit. Just, right. I don't really see really one on, on calls very often though. Okay. Okay. And um, <laughs> this is going to be a funny question. So uh, whenever they come over to eat and you know, and you, you all are sitting there as a family that does your wife have to say like, okay, enough fire talk, like oh, let's man. talk about something else. Yeah, that is exactly has happened multiple times. Matter of fact, I think uh, this first or second time after they both were on the floor and made some calls, uh-huh. you know, because they came out recruit class and Hunter made a fire's first shift, which is usually every recruit class uh, we have goes through. They all get assigned to, to the back of an engine uh, the first, you know, first six months or so. And um, usually two or three out of every class will make a fire in that first 24 hours. Okay. Um, quite often That's in crazy. the first six or seven. 
And it's every class. It's that's why we tell we t- we t- tell the recruits day one. It's like, hey, look, like I don't hate you. I don't want to. I'm not here to yell at you. I'm not trying to belittle you. But the 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 thing is, I got 16 weeks. At the end of that 16 weeks, I guarantee one of you guys is going to go to your fire in the first 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And we just got to make sure you're ready. You know, and the mm-hmm. only way we can do it. This is the only way we know how to do it, right? So, right. Um, anyway, they they got out and and Hunter made the fire right off the bat. Braden it took a couple shifts. He made his, his first fire. And we had like a you know dinner. They came over. They both moved out like right away, for whatever reason. <laughs> they wanted to get you know get out from mom and dad's house, which I get. But uh, they came back for dinner, and that's what Stace. They left because the whole time they were just talking about stretching on this fire, stretching on right. this dealer. Some crew did this, and man, I think I'd have done this with the bundle first or whatever. And uh, I just really kind of stayed quiet and listened to them go because <laughs> it was, was kind of entertaining. And when it was all done, they left. My wife goes is this going to be every time they come over from here on out? And I was like, yeah, probably, probably, probably for a while. And like okay. I said, my wife, I've been married uh, 28 years. So, um, you know, she, this is all she's known is okay. the fire service for the most part. So, I mean, she right. gets it, but I think, I think she wanted to have conversation with her boys that, you know, that they moved out about other things like their apartments or girlfriends or dogs or something. Right. Other than fire right. department. Right. Yeah. No, so, yeah, it does. It dominates conversation. Okay. All right. Um, what are your ultimate goals? Man, I've always kind of said I've, I've kind of outpunted my coverage. Uh, you know, a lot of the goals I'd kind of set early in my career, I, I'm very fortunate. You know, I, you know, I wanted to be at a busy fire. I want to be a big city fireman. I got not really big city, but we're a pretty good size city. You know, right. big major. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, I wanted to go to fires. I got assigned to a, you know, I got assigned to a slow house, but within six, eight months, worked my way into a busy house and was getting to go to fires. And it was, you know, uh, I wanted to be on, uh, uh, one of the special operations companies, which was at tens and fours. Mm-hmm. And I got signed to tens after that. And I, you know, uh, got to do that. And then I wanted to be an officer, got promoted, got to be an officer. Um, I'm kind of a spot now where I don't really know. Like I said, it's like you said, leaving, leaving the department better than I found it. That's, I guess my goal now, you know, all this stuff I kind of set down, you know, I want to teach it. I want to lecture at FDIC. I do that. I wanted okay. to do it. You know, I got a lecture at firehouse uh, expo. I got I got to do hands-on at Firehouse Expo. I got, you know, all these things I kind of set out for myself that I really wanted to do. I just, you know, through luck and, uh, you know, perseverance, I guess, was able to wheeze my way into it and it got accomplished. So um, that's kind of where I'm at now is, you know, try to be better at the job I'm currently in, uh, you know, and help the special operations since it's something kind of new for us is the SOC Battalion kind of try to make it permanent, help it grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I leave, have, you know, Gerald, uh, Captain Johnson or, or, you know, Hitler, one of those guys, you know, come in and take the spot and then put their own, you know, kind of flair on it kind of thing. So, okay, you know, or that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, watch my kids, you know, continue to, you know, become hopefully good little firefighters and, you know, eventually maybe officers at that point, you know, probably in my retirement age, you'll know, probably be in that 30 something year range. So mm-hmm. time to go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, are there three, um, uh, special operations chief within your department, or is it just you? Or yep, you know, no, there's three. So there's okay. uh, A, B, and C shift. We do 2448s okay. here still. Um, and so yeah, I'm the I'm the A shift special operations acting battalion chief. The other two chiefs are actually real real battalion chiefs. They were brought. They were uh, SOC guys. They were kind of like me. They were assigned to to fours, which is rescue one. Their whole mm-hmm. careers, mm-hmm. extremely talented. You know, I mean, one's got dive certifications. It's only a handful of people in the country have. Okay. You know, the other one teaches all over the place, truck company stuff, and um, uh, Chief Winton and then Chief Kleinschmidt, 
contribute. You see quite a bit doing a lot of truck company stuff and a lot of rope stuff and confined space stuff all over the place, uh, teaching. So, uh, there are my counterparts there. And then our boss is uh, a division chief level. So there's, yeah, there's three of us. Okay. All right. Um, well, since you are a chief, uh, a chief officer, I, I, I came up with a couple with two questions specifically either for chief officers or line officers. And, sure. and the, these are all your opinions. The first one is, do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to be successful? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, and it's in both directions. Like the, I really feel it's important that from the top levels, there's a very a, a expectation set. You know, it can that's a you know line officer too. You know, these are my expectations, and, and I looked. I always put them in writing, and I, I would set kids down when they came in assigned to me, and kind of walk down that list. And you know, it's really hard if you go to a fire or any call, and they don't do something that you want them to do. If you didn't tell them that was your expectation, you really can't mm-hmm. hold that on them. That's on you. Right. And so, you know, I always I had a, a, a captain or a, a chief Turner when he was my captain did the same for me. And I always knew, like when I disappointed him, I kind of knew where I usually fell short, you know? Okay. Okay. And then same when he was a chief, he'd put out notes to everybody saying, this is my expectation for the battalion. And, you know, it may be three or four pages long, but at least, you know, and then same thing on the other side, you know, coming up, um, it's always, you know, when I was a kid on the job and all, a whole bunch of us were, we'd go take a class or go get introduced to something or, or meet somebody in a class who would show us something that was really good. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky that when I brought those things back or, you know, our crew brought those things back, our officers always listened and said, hey, you know, I get it. But, you know, I don't think this is going to work for us or I'm not sure this is this may be a little more uh, more risky than I want. Or they can mm-hmm. say, hey, look, this is awesome. Let's let's uh, let's clean it up a little bit, make it look really good and then go show it to training and see if we can get this adopted department wide. Okay. And so we got a lot of great changes made that way. So I always try to make sure that, you know, the guys that that work for me now, if they bring something to me that, you know, I at least give it, give it a, a fair shake and, you know, pass it on to my boss, uh, chief pyramid, if it's something that is, I think is, you know, has a lot of value. Okay. So you really need to go in both ways. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. On that one. Uh, my last chief officer type question. Do you believe in order to affect change within your department, you need to promote? Ooh, man, it, it does make things easier. In a long time, I, I kind of fought that thought that, <laughs> you know, I can, I can do all this from the firefighter spot. And I, and, you know, like I said, we had guys that as firefighters got a lot of change done, uh-huh. but I did find that once I was a lieutenant and, and especially as a captain, I was able to change a lot more. And, you know, if you want to change your department and you want to do a full overhaul of your department, take over recruit training. If you can be, a, you know, like the head of recruit training, mm-hmm. you can change within, I mean, depending on your turnover rate. Right. But, you know, I, I, when I was recruit instructor, I think we have, we have 500 guys in the job. Of them, around 200 came through me, came through my recruit class. So almost half the job only knows what I've told them. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they know from outside and they know from right. after they get on the floor and have good officers or bad officers. But but for that time period, you know, if I say, you know, the sky is green, you know, the sky is green. And gotcha. so you, can, you can make big changes in your department. That, that's a good and a bad thing. You know, obviously, you want the right people in those positions and you have right. to be able to listen to suggestions and and look outside your own department to find the best ways to do stuff. Right. But it really gives you a lot. So yeah, I think you really, really do to have effect permanent change. You probably need to be promoted. And even on top of that, if you can get yourself into training, whether that be as an instructor or as uh, a lead, mm-hmm. then man, you can really make a lot of changes. Okay. Well said. I've never looked at it that way, but all right. 
<laughs> um, what would you say to those hungry, eager, motivated firefighters surrounded or being held back by a non-motivated or complacent culture or organization? Yeah, man, I've, I've been there. Actually, uh, I worked for an officer for a, a year that was just the worst. I mean, he stifled, we've all been there. Yeah, he stifled everything I ever thought was, you know, and it, you have to use that in a positive way. And I didn't always sometimes use it a very negative way, you know, right, right. destructive self and mm-hmm. property, right? Like you mm-hmm. kick something, break something or just go, well, you know, tech with him and lock down it. And it's easier said than done. But if you can find another way, that's the fool's uh, organization we had in our department probably saved my career because okay. there was a time in there when they were coming online and I was getting involved in that when that when I had that officer. And so it's like, you know what? I can't, you know, we would we'd pull the engine out. He wouldn't want to go train. And I, you know, I love stretching line. I love flowing water. I was always kind of my thing. I'm an engine guy. Mm-hmm. And so we'd pull the engine out on the front slab. We stretch line off the front slab because the only place we could go, he couldn't take, he didn't want to go anywhere. Okay. And then he said, Hey, don't do that. Leave the, leave the, the hose racked. You can't, can't stretch. And so then it was like super frustrating because you're just sitting around all day and, you know, wow, we're going okay. to fires. We weren't doing a very good job because we weren't getting our practice in, you know, we weren't getting uh-huh. our reps. Right. And so I was feeling embarrassed about stuff. And about that time, the, the fool's organization here was coming on track and I was able to go out and, and train with air. So I'd, you know, I'd go to, you know, Clearwater or some, you know, town around us that wanted to do some engine company stuff. I get a stretch mm-hmm. with them. And it, you know, got that release and was able to get that out and and also practice myself and then you know learn how to learn how to instruct and learn how to interact with other guys that have different departments and different needs than me. Right. Um, and so yeah, I think that's a big one. Just find a positive, you know, where it is, you know, traveling and going to every conference you can find, you know, do the whole tour, hit, you know, one East Coast, one West mm-hmm. Coast, one Midwest, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that was a big thing for me too. You know, FDIC was, you know, everybody says recharge our batteries and for sure it was, you know, Firehouse Expo, recharge our batteries for sure. Um, you know, so uh, you'll find those things that, that, you know, make you happy and keep you, uh, you know, driven and working in the job. Like I said, I tell you why I, I actually, um, I brought home a few hundred foot of hose during that time period too. And I built a little hose box, like a, like the back of an engine. Okay. I stretched in my front yard. I still have it actually when my kids were little and we were working on the bundles for the Wichita bundles, trying to figure out how we're going to do it. And, you know, where, where were the, you know, base our captain the same way. He's like, show me, like, I like the thought. I like the stretch and static. We got to make sure there's no problems. If we have any issues at all and it gets called out, it's going to kill it. You know, okay. so um, I had a little guy, my, my twins were, pretty young at the time, nine or 10. And we just go out and stretch line with those guys and watch them stretch and, you know, videotape the stretches and decide mm-hmm. how we're going to do it. And, you know, once we worked out most of the kinks, then we were able to, you know, take it and, and show it to the department. So, I mean, that was one of those things that kind of also, I just felt like I sucked because I wasn't practicing. So if I could come <laughs> home and stretch, you know, in my driveway, right. at least it, you know, get my hands on. It's just that, that muscle memory is so important. Absolutely. You know, any job is, you know, just getting mm-hmm. those reps in so that, you know, I was told the recruits, one of the things we tell our recruits when they're coming through is, you know, you're going to get so sick of stretching line. But the thing is, when you're, well, I don't, there's two things I don't need to think about when you're stretching the line. One is your mask up and two is the stretch. Mm-hmm. Well, what you're thinking of is uh, where's my entry point? Where's the fire? Are there any hazards? Do I need to wash this down? Is there, you know, do I'm going to go left? Am I going to go in deep and left in shallow left, those kind of things. And you can't do that if you're thinking about, Right. Get your mask on, or you can't do that if you're thinking about how your hose is going to be laid out. And the only way to really accomplish that is just doing it so many times that 
you can do it in your sleep. You know, your it's like body second just, nature. Right? Yeah, yeah. Your body just doesn't automatically. Well, muscle memory is probably not the right word. I've had a couple of people tell me that that either doesn't exist or doesn't exist in the way that we describe it. But yeah, like you said, that's second nature. Just your body just does it because that's what your muscles want to do. You know, right, right. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's one of those things that I've, I've, you know, I kind of brought up from way back then or figured out way back then that mm-hmm. if I didn't do that every day or you know regularly. I just wasn't proficient at it. And, you know, it taught me, once again, there was a bad experience that taught me a really valuable lesson that I included into the recruit program 15 years later or something, you know, we're teaching recruits. Right. So right. You, know, you just got to try to take the positives out of those things if you can and, and stay, use that energy in a good way, not bad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I mean, like you stated, I mean, we've all hopefully, hopefully nobody experiences that, but most of the time, every firefighter has had a bad officer and you learn from the good ones and the yeah. bad ones. You take, oh, for you sure. take lessons from both. You, know, you tell yourself, I will never do this on a call. And I've caught right. myself like on a call doing something that reminded me of this officer. And it like, oh, it made me sick. It's like, right. oh, I've got to do a better job. I I cannot do that. That is what right. you would do. Yes. You know, so you like said, you learn a lot from both goods and bads. You just have yes. to be willing to do it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and, and like you said, it's a hard thing. Because, man, when, when, when I was with, with, with one – it was hard. I mean, you know, some days you would just you would just go sit and not do yeah. anything, but you'd feel like, okay, I'm not really getting anything accomplished. So after yeah. a while, you just went out and did 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 my own thing. Like you know, if he didn't want me stretching hose, I threw ladders. Sure, yeah, I got good at throwing ladders. Well, you feel like you're you're punishing them by not doing anything, but you're just really punishing yourself and so, the citizens. Like I said, the big exactly. deal is you know. I'm not here. I mean, I'm here one because I really love the job and I enjoy going to fires and I enjoy the guys. And I enjoy chatting with the guys and hanging mm-hmm. out and that whole, you know, firehouse life. Um, but the other big part is I enjoy doing a good job for our citizens. I mean, we were, you know, I, uh, you know, our busy firehouses are in usually our poorest neighborhoods. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, if you have a fire in my neighborhood, I'm going to lose stuff that I, I love that I can't replace. But for the most part, insurance is going to kick in. You go to those neighborhoods, there is no insurance. Exactly. You know, that, the guitar that burns up in his house may be the only thing that, you know, the thing that he goes and plays on Saturday nights that keeps food on the table, mm-hmm. you know, or they lose a car in the garage. That may be the only way they get their kid to a doctor's appointment or the only, and it's not getting replaced because they don't have the insurance to do it. Right. You know? Right. So, I mean, that's one of those deals where you just, you gotta be driven to, to make sure they take care of those, those the people in those neighborhoods. Cause that's, you know, otherwise we wouldn't, they'd give us scooters and, and, you know, bullhorns. We go yell at them to get out of their houses if it wasn't for, Right. If we were able to make that kind of difference for him. <laughs> right. No, I, I totally get it because, I mean, it, it all comes full circle because uh, I'm pretty sure last week I spoke to Tim. He sent me a video um, of a fire that you guys had. And I'm pretty sure he said it was Isaac's crew. And yeah. Yeah, you guys pulled out two two victims, I think he said. And yeah. and one was able to walk out like a couple of days later out of the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, Rescue One, um, which would have been Isaac Frazier is on that rig. And then truck six, which we just put on track a month before in that neighborhood. Okay. Um, I think that was D- uh, Dunan that was on that rig. That made, but anyway, yeah, they were both OVMs. Each uh, each truck company and the rescues assigned an outside ventman on every okay. fire. So they, you know, three will go do either you know, go to the roof or go do search. And then the outside ventman meets up with the other second do outside ventman. And they, you know, do a 360. They force and search the rear door, control utilities, go to the roof if they need to if the search was being done by the other part of their crew yeah met through a door by a victim who said that they're disabled um there was no disabled victim in the basement the mm-hmm. line was just getting put into place they actually skirted the fire headed downstairs located the victim um 
was waiting for the line to get put into place. I ended up throwing some stuff on her to kind of shield her from the heat. And then one kind of body blocked the garage door where the fire was coming through. So they could, could get her out and pull her out. And yeah, I think two or three days later, she was, she was out. So, That's I mean, awesome. it's, you know, we've, we've had uh, you know, a year or two back uh, firehouse uh, during uh, Brian brush did a thing during his keynote talked about uh, a fire we had, which we have video of where uh, there's a, a three-story garden style apartment little girl was pulled out and there's a picture i think in a lot of the newspapers and a lot of the, the media out there of one of our guys holding a little bitty girl you know stepping out of the out of this you know fire behind him and everything uh-huh. um and uh you know it's one of those deals where uh the guy with the nozzle on that fire on the three-story that was his i mean he only had a month on the on the job and he okay. made a great job getting out you know getting stuff knocked down and facilitating those truck companies search right and same with the fire that you're talking about um there was a couple of young kids on that fire too that were, you know, stretching those lines that facilitated those guys. And obviously, you know, they did, you know, kind of did the right thing, right? Like they, they, right. they knew this wasn't necessarily the safest way to do it, right? But it's what needed to be done. Needs to be and, done. And right. you know, you you mitigate your safety through experience and training and, and those kind of things. And so, you know, obviously Isaac brought stuff with him when he came over uh, from Florida. Uh, but Duna's one of ours. Like he's he's came up through here. He's been here probably close to 15, 18 years by now. Guy, he may be close to 20. On. Time flies, right? So right, he's right. got less time than me, but I don't know how much. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, those guys basically used the experience they had and the training they had to make a decision and it turned to be 100 percent the right one, right? right. They had no officer, right? They're they're just firefighters, both of them. And so they we we give our firefighters the leeway especially those outside event truck guys and rescue guys to make those decisions with, you know, they just got on the radio and said, Hey, we're doing this. And that's what they did. So. So that I was going to ask you, that kind of leads to my next question. Okay. Um, so I can tell you within my organization, like my captain, I don't want to say he runs the show, but pretty much everything goes through him. You know, like I can't, I can't deviate or really do anything without telling him this is what I'm doing. So with Wichita, if you, whenever you're assigned outside vent, man, your OVM position, mm-hmm. you meet up with another. So like I could be by myself and I'll just meet up with the other individual right. and then we pair together and then yep. we just do what we got to do. No questions yep. asked. Yep. Pretty well. And they have kind of a, a run sheet or a, a, I don't know how to call it. Maybe like a, a playbook, right? They have like a playbook that kind of has, these are the things that you will do or you, you will, you know, if needed, you will attempt to do and. Like I said, you know, force sweep and control that rear door. Yeah, because we find a lot of victims that, you know, get up against that rear door and mm-hmm. just can't make it out. Or a lot of our houses where we find this is they're board ups or or you know, barricaded, you know, for keep bums from getting in there. And, they look vacant, but yeah, they're yeah, not. yeah. They're vacant. It's right. So they get to that back door and they can't open it because only one door has been forced or a window's been forced. That was the way in and out they've been using. Okay. And so we get a lot of times we force that rear door and we'll find somebody just inside of it because they were, you know, obviously trying to find an exit. Um, so that's one of the things they do. And like I said, if the, if the first new truck is in search and then they can team up with the OVM and they go to the roof and, and cut the roof and do vent and that kind of stuff. But part of it is how we've structured, and this is changing some because we've gotten so young so fast here. Uh, but I kind of said, you know, our kids come out of recruit class and they ride the back of an engine for six to eight months um, as a nozzleman. And then I said about mm-hmm. that is they have an officer right with them. So they won't be put in that position, right? They always have kind of right. somebody there to line goes here, open up and flow. Now they should be doing those things on themselves, right? We right. teach them to do them themselves, but they have coaches, right? They have somebody to help coach mm-hmm. them through these new decisions they have to make now. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they get around a year on, they can start to cross the floor and do um, 
doorman work, right? So they, they, they'd be the fourth guy on the truck in most places. They'll show up, they force the door, and then they're kind of attached as the third on that hose line. We have an Osman, the backup, which is the officer, and that doorman is kind of feeding line. They force the door and they feed that line. So once again, they're kind of tied to that line, which okay. gives some accountability on them. Now they can come off that line if they need to do a quick search or, you know, uh, you know they hear somebody and they want okay. to come off that line to do a search, but they have a year on. So hopefully they've had enough experience. They make those good decisions. And if not, then they'll get coached. Uh, once guys get a few years, a couple, three years on, then they kind of care uh, be our MPOs or motor pump operators, which drive our engines. So that's a little more responsibility, right? Like, I mean, he can't say he had, you know, the incident where they you know hit a car and killed some people. Right. And, right. You know I mean? That's obviously making good decisions in that position is a, right. a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same with the trucks, you can usually move over to the step on the truck, which uh, is tied to the officer on the truck. And so you'll go to a roof event, you'll go do search, okay. or you can move to the chauffeur position, which is usually our most senior truck guy. So those guys tend to have, eight, 10, 12 years, their officer level mentality, they just either didn't promote or choke because they chose not to, or mm-hmm. they're working on getting promoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those two guys are outside Ventman are really kind of officers. I mean, they, they should have enough time <coughs> on that they can make good decisions based off, you know, 10 or 12 years of experience to hopefully go on to fires and right. you know, good coaching from good officers. And, you know, obviously they make really good officers once they promote because they've right. had some experience making calls like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as we get younger, and right now we're, I think somebody said we had 40% or something has less than five years of our job right now, which is wow, a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I said, I told, told you my kids had, you know, just a year on, they should just be now thinking about becoming really good nozzlemen and eventually maybe moving into a, you know, a dormant position. Uh-huh. But they're getting thrown out of the trucks because we just we have <laughs> so many young guys that they're going right. to cross the floor and, right. and they may end up in step as a step person <clears throat> six months from now, which is probably a year and a half, two years ahead of the schedule. Okay. You know, in our rescue is the same way. We used to be our rescue guys were four or five years on at least had all our certifications. And now we're assigning younger guys, two and three year guys onto those crews, onto the engines, mm-hmm. but they're learning from those rescue guys kind of trying to. Uh, you know, groom them for a rescue <clears throat> spot down the road because we just need those spots filled. And right, there's just our five and six year guys are, you know, they're riding an officer seat sometimes and they're filling as, you know, chauffeur on a truck. And so we just don't have available. Yeah. Uh, so we're kind of in a little bit of a growing pain. It's growing a good problem pains. to have. Yep. But, yep. you know, I, like I told a couple of guys the other day, I was like, man, in six or seven years, we're going to have a group of solid kids that have, you know, 15, 20 years left in them, you know, which would be, Perfect. I mean, that'd be a, uh, it's a great spot to be in. Just have to get there. Right. <laughs> Without right. Anybody right. And make sure yeah. you learn the right things. Yeah. And, and the, and the amount of jobs that you guys are catching that, that builds the experience, which, which helps because that, because that's the problem with, with, I can say with uh, a lot of fire departments because not everywhere is like job town USA. Sure. So firemen, yes, we don't want to see people's homes burn. No. But the whole point of, being good at our job is we need those fires. Yes, and yes. You can only replicate them so much through you know the your training at you sure. know you and you go to your training grounds and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, you're exactly right, and that's one of those things where I always told the, the kids and recruits like uh, I don't want anybody's house to burn. Like I said, I, I I did a long time intense community. I was lucky enough to you know deliver kids or deliver babies that ended uh-huh. up being you know kids I'd run in a car wreck at you know sixteen. You know, you just get their driver's license down the road, right. so. I had a lot of connection to that community there. And I, I really enjoyed working there and loved the people and they always treat us really great. Um, but same token, 
you know, it's hard not to be, you know, I want to be a good firefighter and I want to do a good job by him. And the only right. way to do that is going to fire. So I don't want that to happen, but I would, I would never go to a cardiac surgeon that only did one heart surgery a month and said he, <laughs> he, he, he'd be fine. If I never see another heart, you know, another double bypass, I'd be happy. Right. I want to go to that doctor, right? I want to go to a doctor that's doing 15 today and he's going to fly out tomorrow to go to a heart conference, to learn how to do more tomorrow kind of thing. You know, that's right. That's kind of how our firemen are. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't wish people to have heart. I'm sure that guy doesn't wish people to have heart attacks. When he does, he's going to do a heck of a job making sure that you come exactly. back from it and, and live. So exactly. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I agree. It's uh, we, you know, our, our core is busier, obviously, you know, we have a kind of I-35, the canal routes, we call it there. I-135. It's uh, all the firehouses that neighbor that are kind of our busy firehouses, you know, 22s okay. and 10s and twos and ones and fives. Uh, our perimeter firehouses, like the one that protects my house out here in Northwest, you know, they get, they're less frequent fires. But the houses are so much bigger. They're newer constructions. They're mm-hmm. more dangerous. So, you know, just because you're assigned a slower house, Doesn't... almost, you know, it's almost hard. Like you have to be almost more driven. Exactly. And, and we've tried bringing guys in and out, and sometimes that works. Uh, but really, the the best way is just like set to the culture. You know, our truck companies all get together and train. And I know sometimes our perimeter guys feel like they're getting picked on a little bit mm-hmm. um, because I think they feel like, well, these guys that do it all the time don't think much of us. But really, it's, I've not seen that in person like most of our guys like the guy that my truck company guy at my house uh brew baker captain brew baker saw as they come teaches uh-huh. our truck academy and you know whenever he brings them in i feel like you know his purpose is just to make sure that everybody's you know at the level they want to be and all those young guys out those perimeter stations see it as an opportunity to to try out right they're on, they're auditioning right and so they're trying to bust their butt to look really good hoping hey when that spot comes open maybe they can move into the core and and be on that truck. But really truth be known, like I said, I got a wife and uh, one-time kids and uh, mm-hmm. dogs that live out here in Northwest. And I want that truck to be, you know, I want That's truck right. four to be solid. I want engine 16. And I think they are, they're very good. And I want right. it to be, you know, cause right. that's just protecting my house. Right. So, you know, it's, it's not always easy. I think for some of those outside areas that get less far, some of our perimeter that gets less fire to stay motivated. But mm-hmm. um, luckily that's one of the good things about being young right now is so many <laughs> of these kids are so hungry that they see it as an opportunity to, to audition. And so that's a good thing. No. And, and like you said, I, I couldn't have said it any better. It just because you're at a slower station doesn't mean you can, you can relax more, you no. know, like you have to be worse. That, you have to be more. Exactly. You have yeah. to be, you have to be more Driven. aggressive because when it does happen, and from my experience, the outline companies, your mutual aid companies that are coming in have a pretty good distance Sure, you're going to be there by yourself for a little bit, and you're expected to perform. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and we're we're very our, our companies are very light out on the on perimeter. I think most places are like that, right? Your call volume's right. lower, so right. But yeah, like I uh, actually buffed had a fire come out a block or so from my house here a while back. I went and buffed it, uh-huh. and uh, went up, took my camera, videotaped the cruise jump. Did, they did an awesome job, great stretch. Uh, truck showed up, went to the roof, and that was it. Like it just kept that was all I had the first two engine, first two truck. And I walked over to the, to the chief that was actually one of my early captains. Awesome captain. I learned a lot from him. And he goes, well, the nice thing is, is that uh, my assignment board stays pretty, it's pretty easy to make assignments. I have plenty of time to think about it. Each time one comes in, I got three more minutes to think about what I'm gonna do with the next of their cruise. Or sometimes downtown, you know, they all show up at once. Right and I'm there, trying to right, figure right. out what to do with all these guys that all just showed up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess that's true. But it was, you know, it was almost disconcerting to watch. You know, it just because I was like, oh, it's got to be more people coming. Like, we, right. they need help. <laughs> right. And this is a big house. So, or yeah. a decent sized house. So, 
Yeah, no, like I said, it's uh, it's there's not an opportunity to slow down. You, you know, guys that say they want to retire out these these slower firehouses. Slower fire, yep. Man, I don't know if that's a good idea or not because right. when you're asked to work, you're probably working three times as hard as that you know twenty year old downtown mm-hmm. that has nineteen guys standing on top and he's trying to do his job. That's right. No, no, you're right. You're right because you know a lot of these homes are looked at as the retirement homes. Okay, yeah. But- Man, you you got yeah, that I like I like how you put that. That mindset yeah, that's gotta change. Yeah, and I will say uh, there is some benefit to that too. Uh the 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 our furthest out firehouse on the west side is 21s. And it's like so all those dudes there. I mean, I remember a lot of them being like senior privates when I came on, you know, they're okay. 30 year guys. Um, once again, the fire came up there last year in the summer and I went up to Buffett. And I mean, those guys still got it, right? Like they were, they were getting line in place. They're doing mm-hmm. their thing. And I remember choking one of them um, who's, who's since retired, but it was big block. His badge number was 454. So we just called him big block. And he was like my senior private when I went okay. into the special operations house. That's why I said, I was like, man, other than all the like creaking knees and stuff, that would, that fire went pretty smooth. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can tell when it was done. They were. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get themselves loosened up they, they worked pretty hard but they did a great job and you know heck you know jj who's the that that firefighter i was talking about he was at tens for you know 15 20 years from you know i don't know probably mid to late 80s all you know through what was kind of a really busy time for us so he's seen okay. a ton of fire he just you know so he was still able to reflect on that time right and pull it out right so right. I mean, I guess it's not all that bad to have those guys want to go as a retirement home because they can be great mentors. They can be great Absolutely. teachers. They've got a lot of experience. And, you know, they used to say in the fire service that your mind's like a, a Rolodex. I think now it may be flash drive to be a more appropriate thing for somebody younger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, 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 see a, you see something happen on a call and your brain spins it up and pulls up that file that has that time you've seen this before. Right. And if you don't have that file in there you got nothing to compare it to, but you know, you have a guy that's got 30 years on, he can hopefully say, Hey, this one time, or yeah, I made this call and that mm-hmm. happened. And then we did this and it didn't go good kid. Like don't do that. You know, right. kind of thing. So right. they can impart some of that experience. It's just harder. Okay. You know, it'll be easier. I think now is, you know, video cameras and, and body cams and helmet right. cams have gotten more popular. Now guys can go, Oh yeah, I, I made a fire here. Let's get back to the firehouse after we you know, get back from the system. Where I'm going to show you how far we had in the house like right. this and what we did and good or bad, you know, it's, it's still a good lesson. Okay. So I think they'll get easier maybe as we get more time on, cause all the stuff that those old farts have is just in their mind. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any video of it like the kids now. Would. <laughs> yeah. Back then there wasn't any fi- uh, fire cams and, right, and things yeah. like that. It so maybe I, I, had like we used to always have disposable cameras in our pockets, which are like <laughs> these cardboard, you know, 35 millimeter cameras. We'd we'd take crew photos and photos uh-huh. of it, then you'd have to send it off to get uh developed and it'd come back like in a month or you know, a couple weeks. Okay. And it's like, oh, this is a picture's not fire. Oh, it didn't turn out at all. It's all wet or it's too smoky. Right. You, know, you didn't even right. know. <laughs> times have changed, right? Yeah. Craziness. Um, last question for you. In your opinion, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? Man, you know, uh, I'm a traditionalist, so you know, smooth bores and and you know, uh, you know our, our recruit academies, our instructors when they're not doing burns, wear long coats and three quarter boots still, and leather helmets. I did see a picture of that. Yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, very recently, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so I, I, I'm a hardcore traditionalist, but um, we've got to do a better job of um, of selling this job to kids. You know, everybody saw oh, kids have changed. Kids have uh-huh. changed. Man, after working in a recruit academy, I don't think so. Kids hadn't changed. You can totally, you can totally sell this job to these kids. Um, we just don't do a very good job of it. And I, and right. I think part of it is is getting where they're at, uh, and part of it is risk the the city or the department's 
perception of risk. So, you know, uh, I've talked about, you know, emergency growing up and, mm-hmm. and, uh, backdraft growing up, how, it, you know, as well as deals like, Oh, even though it was total BS, right. The, right. the way it's portrayed. And I think the newer one, the maybe the latest one I think of be rescue me. Right. So yeah. it was, yep. you know, it was right after nine 11, I remember watching it and thinking, Oh, you know, the fire stuff's kind of cheesy. It's hard to watch, but the station life was actually pretty accurate, right? Very, and, very you know, accurate. You know, yes. busting each other and, and making fun of each other, but the love they had for each other and the way they take care of each other and off duty being family, just like on duty. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the fire service. That's the fire service I know. Right. And we don't sell that very well. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, especially these young athletes, they get out or military people, they get out and they miss that team. They miss having that dude that mm-hmm. you know, is going to be the God, you know, the Godfather, their, their little kid that just, they had that kind of stuff. And they miss that. <clears throat> we don't sell it very well. I think departments are worried that if we, show some of that side of this job outside, you know, right. the outside world, it can be kind of shocking. It can be kind of, it's like, we're paying these guys to do this, you know, silliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so much of, you know, so much of our job is extremely intense, you know, whatever it is, danger, anxiety, decision-making and such a short packed, you know, hour, half hour, 30 minutes, right. five minutes, right. period of time that, you know, the decompression of that takes a long time. And so that's what guys do, right? They bust on each other. They, you know, play the music and play the fool a little bit, you know, out there mm-hmm. and they're, they're messing around. Um, and I think sometimes that public doesn't think that's a good use of their tax dollars because they don't understand that's kind of on us too, to educate. Exactly. But I think if, if guys, if you know, these young guys, as I said, my, my twins grew up hanging out in the backyard pool or hanging out in the basement bar, listening to the guys tell fire stories, you know, and it, a lot of times when even fire stories, it was, the time they did this to me or I did this to them or man, you know, this funny thing that happened at this conference we went to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of knew going in that I like this, like that. Like I'm they're both athletes are both, you know, pretty talented little football players. So when it came time, like, I want to, I want that team atmosphere. So they, they hopped right on uh, since then, I think nine or 10 kids that they were, were in their class are now on the job because, okay. you know, that they'd go to college mm-hmm. and they were also athletes. They're playing football at different colleges and, you know, my, like I said, they went and got apartments and they'd come home from school and they'd go to my twins' apartment and they'd listen to them tell, tell stories about what they did at work and this and that. And, you know, most of them were like, God, I'm not really getting much out of college. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm missing this. Even right. though, you know, playing football in college, I'm not getting what I'm needing for here. And so, you know, they end up coming here and work for us. And I think they love it. Like, we, they, they're sold. And right. so we just got to do a better job. I don't know if that's you know, through, through social media, which, you know, I've used, I felt like we've used fairly well to our mm-hmm. for the, our fire department Absolutely. of bringing people in. Cause we do, I mean, we have rules and we're very careful about, you know, privacy of victims and, and, and private, you know, being thoughtful about that. This is somebody's property that's being destroyed that we're going to put on this video. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll actually contact them and say, hey, look, we're going to use it to recruit guys to come in. And most of them are very happy with what we've done for them. And so they're pretty open to, yeah, for sure. Use that video. You know, like the little girl, the fireman holding the little girl initially blurred her head out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the newspapers, when they contacted, like, hey, we want like the original photo. And so we went to that family, and the family was like, oh, by all means, yes. You know, we just want to sure put that girl's face out there, you know, the world without mom saying that's okay, because that's a huge invasion of privacy. Right. Um, but once we did that, wow, what a great PR thing, right? Like, you know, this mm-hmm. is like what everybody, you know, dreams of doing when they come on the job is making this grab, you know. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, finding a way to do that, I think, is one of the things I'd like to see us do better. And, you know, I, I know a lot of places have really strong volley programs, especially, go, you know, East Coast and, and you know, Pennsylvania and, and Maryland. You know, their volley departments, it's like a, 
a second family. It's a big way of life, right? It's a part of something you grow up in third, fourth generation. Right. Here in the Midwest, you just don't see a lot of that. Like I said, I grew up in it, um, but you just don't see a lot of, you know, kids at volunteer fire departments in little towns wanting to come be big city, Mm -hmm. relatively big for them, big city firefighters. They just don't see that as much. And I think it's because they just don't know. Like they don't know what the culture is like. And if I, you know, a lot of times we get a kid to ride out with us, boy, do they, they, we got them, right? Like they ride out a couple of times, the good crew, even if they mm-hmm. don't go to a fire, even if they just have a good crew, they go out and do some good training and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. you know, even that's something else we've done that, that we had really good luck with was our training department. Well, our training system, we're very careful to make sure the right things are trained on. So, you know, a lot of times you have a 14 week training academy, you may have, um, yeah, I do this thing and that thing. They're just silly. They're not fire stuff. They're not, they're just stuff that's checking boxes. Um, you know, Chief Ross, when I hopped in there was gave me the leeway to, uh, uh, to just teach what I thought was, he's like, you know, don't burn me on this deal, but I'm going to give you some leeway on it. Well, my wife is, uh, does like, uh, um, international supply chain logistics stuff and she does process yeah. room and stuff. So that's her like background. And so we basically started keeping track of every hour of training we did with these recruits and what we got out of it. And we kind of, you know, what do I want to get out? Well, I want to be, be able to do, you know, stretch a line from the time the air brake sets to uh, line is bled, masked up and ready to push in in less than a minute. And I want to be able to do that every time. Like that's, a, a, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to throw a ladder in this amount of time from this deal. We basically made it really analytic and we kept track of those hours. And I was able to show that, hey, where our kids come out or our recruits come out and they're on an engine for that first eight months, what do I want them to do? Well, they got to be Nosman first. They, that, they've got to be good. Now they're, they got to do all the fire one, two stuff to like the ladders, forceful entry. But if you look at the time we spend mm-hmm. 60% is stretching line in our okay. whole 14 week recruit Academy. You know, they may do one day of, uh, you know, doing some saw work just to get their hands on a saw. They may, right. you know, they'll probably do a few, you know, week or two, like, you know, 10% of throwing ladders. Cause that's a, our truck guys tend to do that, you know, so they'll, they'll have a year to figure that out once you get on the floor mm-hmm. to get more, you know, they got to be good firemen on all aspects, but they really got to be good at, at engine stuff. And so, you know, our recruit Academy, we, we filtered out a lot of the silliness that some places make you would make you do. And, and okay. where you feel like you're wasting your time. And on top of that, we record it all. And so we do a lot of a recording. Uh, I say videotaping, but you know, like, obviously there's a video no more, but yeah, yeah, there's no tape no more. But we record a lot of stuff. One, like you would when you were, you know, Friday night, you play the high school football game. Saturday morning, you'd be with the coach watching game film, right? And you're watching all the stuff you could have done better, all the stuff you did good. We record our recruits a lot and we play it back. Uh, we don't, you know, punish them with it, right? We don't put it up on the screen and make fun of a kid for not right. doing a good job. Now, if a kid does a really good job, we'll pull it up. And say, hey, here's Bob. Do you see? Look at this. Let's get the stopwatch here. Yeah. Well, that was 43 seconds from air break to line in service. Good job, Bob. Right? Like positive examples. But when it comes right. to negative stuff, that's more one-on-one. We'll bring him in and hey, look, you're struggling here. We've, we've got three or four videos here, and you're doing the same thing all the time. We need to break this habit or we need to to, to make this better, right? Because that's mm-hmm. our whole goal is just to get these kids to be successful. We want mm-hmm. them to be successful. Well, the other advantage to doing all that video is that when we go to social media, we go to, you know, conference, I'm teaching a lot of times right now, like my uh, Peter Matthews at uh, Firehouse Expo has been very good about letting me do a couple of recruit uh, type classes. Okay. And, you know, that's what I do is I show video of us, you know, teaching recruits. Well, that's a great, uh, another uh, great uh, hiring thing. 
right. because kids see all the fun stuff we're doing. You know, I mean, they're, they're live fire. We're doing live fire, you know, in week two. And we do live fire almost every week, all the way through academy to week 14. Okay. And so, you know, that's a, once again, a good recruiting tool. Like, oh, I, I like this. This looks pretty cool. You know, and so yeah. we're able to put that out, you know, we're, we regularly at the time, I don't, we haven't done as much lately, but at the time we're regularly putting almost daily or bi-weekly videos out of what our recruits did that week. Okay. And so hopefully some other 15 year old kid that follows somebody that follows me. Right. Will, we'll see it. Know, yeah. See, Oh my God, mm-hmm. look at them stretching down to these, this fire. They got, they got acquired structure fires going on there. I don't mm-hmm. want to throw an application there. This looks really cool. And so just finding ways to get kids. They want to do this job. They just don't know it yet. You know, we just got to like, like you and me and every, you know, all the people listen to this kind of stuff, you know, they love it. They just don't know it yet. Somebody's right. got to show them. You know, figure out how to do that. That's what we need to do better. Just figure out how to sell it better. Okay. No, I mean, what's well said there. Sorry. No, 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 (laughs) it's it's fine, but it's well said. And and it shows, shows why Wichita is operating the the way, the way it is. Um, I do have one question as, as a rookie, once you graduate, are they automatically going on the engine? Yeah. Yep. They, all our kids all go to the back of an engine. They all go to that nozzle position. For like I said, I want to say I'd say six months on the short end. Okay. Um, and I, that's not hard full because I actually have a kid at Firehouse One right now that's got three months on that's riding, uh, riding step on my truck because I just don't have bodies. Like there's gotcha. yeah, nobody else to put there right now. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. now for him that means every day he goes out with uh, Captain Brew Baker, who's my truck captain there, and they do truck stuff. All because he didn't do much in Recruit Academy, so we got to get him caught up. And so yeah. he's out there just getting. So he's working his little tail off you know, to, to kind of earn that spot. Right. And so, uh, not ideal. I, I'd like, you know, good engine guys. This is my opinion as an engine guy, but good engine guys make good truck guys. Okay. You know, if you yeah. call down the hallway, you know, a million times, you know, a hundred times that nozzle with mm-hmm. fire going overhead, then as a searcher, you kind of have a pretty good idea of what that fire is going to do, what's going to happen, where to expect it to go, what's going to happen when that line opens up. And that, that makes you a better truck guy on your search, you know, uh, or when you're venting or whatever. And so throwing those guys in the truck that early, I think is, it's definitely not, it's not a, a great thing. It's not, you know, it's not ideal. It, right. but it is what it is. And it so is. we just got to right. make the best out we can. And like I said, once, once we get a few more bodies uh, on the trucks, my hope is to get him back over that engine and get him some nozzle time. Cause he's probably, he's made a couple of three fires on the nozzle before he got moved over to that spot he's in now. So, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, they, they all go for us. They all go to the engine and they ride that nozzle spot for at least six months. I'd say nine is probably the average to a year before they move to that door position. Okay. And then once they move to that door position, like I said, they're still kind of part of the nozzle team. They're just also doing forcible entry and they have a little more freedom to move. And gotcha. you come off that line for, you know, they hear something, hear somebody coughing or something and you come off the line and do a quick check. Mm-hmm. They can't, you know? Okay. Okay. No, this was, no, that's awesome. I, I like hearing that because you know some departments that aren't fortunate. It is what it is. They have to do. You know. Oh sure. You, you might you might graduate and then hey you're going you're going on a ladder truck or you're going on a rescue and you don't really have the skills and tools and and and, and departments are looking towards that company officer to go hey I need you to build them up. Yeah, you know? it, and that's the advantage of being like I was kind of a mid major, right? Because a smaller department. We have a ton of them that, you know, just, you may go on the ladder day one because you're like got seven guys on duty. And exactly, you know, you got two new guys. One of you guys go there, you know, mm-hmm. one's probably going to the back of the engine. One's going to go there. Uh, and then big departments, um, you know, I've seen a few of them that they'll do that too. They'll assign somebody right out of academy to a, to a truck because they just have so many of them to fill that they got a lot of bodies they need to put on there. And, you know, with our size, 
for the most part, it's uh, gives us a little more control on okay. what we do with these kids, which gives us more control. The like I said, it, it allows us to focus our recruited back academy to something very specific. It's just something very broad. Which, like I said, if, if you get assigned to the truck right out of school, then you better be you know, make sure these kids can throw ladders extremely proficiently. Exactly. All those truck company functions and those those were all themselves, you know, very uh, I'll say niche, but I mean. You it's can different. To, you, can to, you can go to an all day, you know, class on forcible entry from a guy that that's all he teaches. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really easy. Um, <laughs> and it's all, you know, so like I said, for nozzle, it's really easy because it's just one thing. But truck, there's like six different things. There's exactly. search, there's vent, there's forcible entry. There's so many, you know, skills that are required there that to become proficient at any one of them takes so mm-hmm. much work that it just, mm-hmm. it takes time. And, you know, if you put some man day one, they don't have that time yet. Yeah. No, I, I, I firmly agree with you. I, I was on an engine for 15 years. I oh, yeah. I made the switch personally. I want to try something different. So yeah. I, I'm on a ladder company. And last year I took a ladders class or yeah, I took a, a truck class and it is a different ball game. Yeah. With an engine and no, no offense to my engine guys no, no. or gals, but <laughs> you take a line, you stretch it, you know, the line's not that bad. The, the hardest part is maybe having to feed the line through bends sure. and curves, but with ladders, Man, you know, t- 24, 28, a 35, and then the equipment that you're carrying, it is a different ball game. Yeah, yeah. There's maybe, you know, a handful, you know, five or six variables on a line stretch, whether it be cars in the driveway or the mm-hmm. way the door opens up or a whole bunch of stuff inside. But those are all things that are pretty easy to overcome with a little bit right. of training. Right. Like you said, if, you know, different roof pitch, if you're, you know, going to the roof to vent, you got different roof pitches, you got different cuts, you got, you know, source. Uh, solar panels up there now you got mm-hmm. tiles up there you know you all these different variables that can totally throw a monkey wrench in your plan right but you know if you don't have that you know that that hard drive full of experiences it's really hard to to be good absolutely you know, it, just, it just takes like i said like you said going to class is a big part of that you know if you can at least cut a whole bunch of roofs in classes yeah at least you have something to fall back on right. one of these before it may not be at a fire but i've done one mm-hmm. it's a good start <laughs> yeah yeah the, the reps the more reps you can get the better you the better you can make yourself whether you're on an engine uh, a truck or a rescue so i totally sure. get it totally yeah. get it yeah. that's why i feel um, bad about those rescue guys there's so many disciplines when it comes down to the dive yes. and the ropes and plus you gotta be a good firefighter i mean yep how do you do that? You just, yep. just got just fill your day full of getting your hands on things. So it's, yeah, you know, those guys tend to be extremely driven for a reason. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. You know, it's, it's some guys just like, I want to be a great engine guy. I don't mind if I, you know, don't ride a truck. I don't mind if I don't rescue, but I'm going to be really good at this. Mm-hmm. I have hundred percent respect for that guy. Just like I would somebody says, Hey, I want to, you know, go ride a truck and learn all these other disciplines, or I want to go uh, be on rescue and do all these other disciplines. As long as you're, you know, trying to be proficient as much as you can. And, you know, I have no, no qualms about it. I think, I think that's admirable no matter what you choose. Just got to yeah. be good at it. Yeah. And I, I told Tim that when, when, you know, before we interviewed and I said, Hey, uh, I got to give you props. Cause you know, he does the has, if you're on a true rescue truck, you have to be a jack of all trades yeah. and I'm not one of those. So anybody listening that's on a rescue, I, my, you know, my, my hands off round of applause to you because that is a lot of different tasks that you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I just kind of told him. It's like, you know, the, the reward for all the, butt busting you guys have to do with the dive and then it's, mm-hmm. it's going to fires right because they get right. all the fires in the city right and so i do I, like there's times where south city's burning more than north and so like rescue two is getting less fire than rescue one and i feel bad for them it's like <laughs> they're both doing the same amount of butt busting and working their little, little tails off every day yeah the only ones getting rewarded right now you know right but luckily things tend to be cyclic and move around eventually the north will get theirs and the okay. South City guys will be the ones kicking rocks when the when the fires are coming out. They're not awesome. They're not getting to go, or they're you know 
last due and you know basically they're long enough to get help take up and go home so right right it always works itself out just sometimes doesn't seem that way when that's you Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. no no this is great uh i I appreciate it uh chief that you know you came on and you you told me a little bit about the special ops and what you guys do and and how wichita is is doing what, what what wichita is doing great things within the fire service for sure yeah yeah like i said there's I, 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 we're talking the other day, me and another guy that used to travel, we travel around quite a bit and taught. And it's like, you know, the, the quality of firefighter now versus what we were, you know, seeing 15, 20 years ago when I was helping out, you know, helping mm-hmm. some of these, these older guys out. And I, maybe I'm just, I don't know if it's like rose colored glasses, but it's so good. Like even departments that, you know, you'll go in there and they'll, they're kind of self-deprecating. Oh yeah. We're not. God, we do this still and we do that. Oh, you know, I, I've been there. I, I do mm-hmm. it still with my department, mm-hmm. but you get them out there actually stretching line or actually, you know, doing their stuff. It's like, you guys pretty darn good here, man. You got nothing to be ashamed of. This is a right. good little department. Right. Like you may not get as much fire as you want. I get that. We're, you know, everybody says that. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you, you should be proud of what you got. Cause you guys got some good dudes. Like I, I'm impressed. Like any mm-hmm. guys want to apply at Wichita, we'll take it. Come high, you know, come apply. Right. And we've actually, you know, obviously poached a lot of guys doing that. Oh You're yeah, them in, but you tend to see it no more you go. If you got guys showing up for class, they're actually usually pretty damn good. I mean, you, you're going to impress you most of the time. Very rarely is a guy showing up to do something extra, not do a good job, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. like I said, it's one of those deals where we're very lucky that, you know, people talk about us, but there's, you know, a million departments out there. They're just like us that just have less, I guess, have worse PR. <laughs> I was going to say, they're just not, they're just not yeah, put out there like that. You know, yeah. they're like little hidden gems that you don't really know. Oh, yeah. About, so. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of communities we go there, and it's like, well, these guys look at their gear; they're getting work. It's just I've never heard of them, but they're doing mm-hmm. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and then and the only reason why I know about Wichita was through Isaac. So Isaac, if you're listening, I have called you, but I'm pretty sure he's a busy, busy dude. I left him a voicemail. Yeah, but, he's. Uh, uh, I think we're, he does a lot of extrication training right about now, and then obviously okay. the, his end of the job deals. You know, towards the end of the summer, midsummer, into summer. Right. So. Right. Yeah, it's one of the things I figured out from Wichita Hot is it is. Uh, it's a full-time job. I mean, it's, you know, just, I, I believe it all the organization <laughs> and getting the people and the equipment and mm-hmm. it's the logistics uh, is crazy. Oh yeah. It, uh, it, it once, it, I think it's been good for me. It's, it's probably made me a better manager of some, at some levels, I assume. Okay. But there's times where you get close to that, like week before week of where it's like, I'm never doing this again. Like this is the last <laughs> which the hot I'm ever doing. And then of course in two weeks you're, you're all excited, you know, start playing again and get stuff lined up. It's just, you know, how it goes. Right. Right. No. Awesome. Awesome. You guys will write in and say, Oh, I, I attended and had a blast or man, I learned so much, or this is a you know, great conference. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm doing it again. <laughs> start, start putting out call for papers and <laughs> so rooms. Wichita hot is done by Wichita fire department. Well, so it's, um, it's actually the fools of Oz, which is the Wichita the fools, fools okay. chapter. So yeah, but it is supported uh, very well by the Wichita fire department. We're able to use their training grounds. We use their live burn props. We lose, awesome. use their tower. Um, we use their fire trucks, a lot of their equipment. And so they're very supportive. Them Derby fire department is a, as another department right close to us. They are very supportive. Okay. Uh, the two junior colleges, Hutch <laughs> and Butler both are very supportive, but the, the main part of it would be, uh, the Wichita Fools of Oz that were the bankroll of it. Most of the e-board is, you know, Fools members. Mm-hmm. And so that's really puts it on. Usually it's uh, September, October every year. We moved to October the last two years because September with the stair climbs and the yeah. fallen firefighters, those are all great things. We did not want to distract from them. Right. And I felt like we we're like the instructors that were people wanted to come, but like, well, I told my wife, 
I want to go to both. And she's like, I can just do the one. Pick one. And yep. so, yeah, I don't want to distract yep. from a, a stair climb that's raising money for a great cause or the National Fall Fight, which is a great cause. Mm-hmm. You know, have guys attend those things. Um, and so we moved it to October. Should be, hopefully, we're picking classes next week. We're a little behind because the FDIC and everything threw a, threw a wrench in our timeline. But uh, usually early June, we should have uh, class rosters out, what we're doing. Usually uh, 10 to 12 hands-on classes. Okay. Um, you know, usually four or five of them are live fire, five or six are live fire classes, a uh, mixture of engine and truck and some rescue sometimes, depending on who puts in guys from all the country. Or I said, you know, you know, Ray McCormick and, and Pressler and Lombardo and all the, you know, a lot of guys, are, are, you know, they're very good to us and they, mm-hmm. they'll come to Wichita and they'll, they'll pass on their knowledge. And, and, uh, it's, we've been very fortunate again to, to, to have that. And we usually, uh, we're trying to keep it as cheap as Canyon. We're we're under a hundred bucks for a long time. That's awesome. Um, with the last couple of three years, we've you know one fifty two hundred because just the, you know, when we do live burns, there's so much OSB we burn through, and it's so right. expensive right now. Right. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> flight, you know, get these guys flown in is so expensive. So, mm-hmm. um, we're trying to stay at two hundred or under. We we want to stay hundred under. We were for the first ten years, and just right now we're at one to two hundred. We'll figure out the price once we get the. Everybody turns their class in. We basically okay. This one have twenty five people. It costs this much. Our goal is to break even every year. And usually, you know, whatever our whatever we charge is a break even point for us. We make nothing. We lose nothing. And okay. then we sell a whole bunch of t shirts. Hopefully, uh, okay. while we're there, and that's kind of how our full chapter funds itself. That's that's always okay. been our business model. So okay, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. So hopefully, in our uh, another month or so, we'll have that out and an open registration. Usually, it fills up uh-huh. in a day or two, uh-huh. um, which has which has been great. Because it makes it easier to plan. If you know you're going to fill up, everything's yeah, exactly, budget. yeah, <laughs> right. You know, every class is full. Then you know what you're going. We have to spend. So, okay. um, yeah, we'll have that coming out in a few weeks here, probably. So excited awesome. about that. Awesome. Well, Chief, I, I I do appreciate it. Thank you very much for 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 uh, accepting my invitation and coming on and and talking fire shop with you. Like I love it. it it's, no, this, me too, man. This I, is awesome. I, I appreciate the invite. Like I said, I always enjoy talking to anybody and and. Uh, I said, guys are in the job. I, you know, they're excited about going to, you know, going to the work of the fire department and I'm, I'm all for talking. So awesome. <laughs> as you can see, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. Yep. If any of the listeners out there are, or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at student of the game fire podcast at gmail.com until next time stay focused stay committed and stay safe